Hi, this is Teresa Sigalito Holoma, and I am joining you through Culture Matters Podcast with Chris Smith. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Chris Smith, and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode 146, 146. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, there's a really good reason to do so right now. You can do that in Spotify, Stitcher, and in iTunes, of course, as well. Today's guest is Teresa Sigilito Holoma. Teresa is an American who left her home country more than 20 years ago and has been living in Europe ever since, mainly in the Netherlands. She's an expert on virtual working and working with virtual teams. She has traveled the globe working with clients and now works with them virtually. Her work includes leadership development programs, team coaching, workshops, and speaking engagements. Most recently, she has added author to her titles as she has written the book Virtual Teams Across Cultures, Create Successful Teams Around the World. Let's dive right into the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Good morning, Teresa. Now I am confused. Is it Teresa or Theresa? No, it's definitely Teresa. The H is silent. The H is silent, and I'm crossing that out on my show, on my notes as well. Good morning, or I know it's a good morning for you because I know that you're in the same time zone as I am. Um, how are you? What's going on? Uh, tell us a little bit about about yourself. Uh, where do you come from? Uh, where are you now? We are in the same time zone, but where are you at this moment? And how would you consider what would you consider being your cultural frame of reference? Great. Well, good morning, Chris. Yes. Morning. So where am I? I'm in the middle of the Netherlands. So I'm Mm -hmm. near Deventer, which is sort of in between, halfway between Amsterdam and the German border. Mm -hmm. So I'm uh, joining you from here, same time zone as you. Uh But as you hear in my voice, I'm an American. So I'm originally from the US. About 22 years ago, I came over to Europe on a three-month project to work with, uh, with on a European uh, project with my company. Mm-hmm. And I ended up marrying our consultant. So that was good for me, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, who's a Dutch man, which is why I'm now living in the Netherlands. Okay. But I am American and uh, living here. So I'm now a, a Dutch citizen as well. But for me, I love to travel. I love to see the world. So the Netherlands is a great place to be located mm-hmm. if you would like to go visit other cultures, visit other countries. So this is my story. Okay. that's your, Which part of the U.S. are you from? Lived all over. So started in the middle in St. Louis uh-huh. and lived in New York, New Jersey, Arizona, Florida, Michigan, Minnesota. I mean, we covered the whole country almost. It's, and then uh-huh. on my own, I ended up coming to Europe and I continue that travel. I continue the the exploration that I started with my family. Mm, okay. All right. That's interesting. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, I, I don't think I've ever met an American who is who is from where he is from. If that makes any sense, it's it's like you say, okay, I came, I started, or maybe I was born or something in St. Louis, and then they are never from where they are from. 
We we move a lot. You That's move true. a lot. Yeah, you're quite mobile. To We're that a mobile extent. country in general, at least uh-huh. historically, at least uh, quite a few years ago. I, I've been, read articles that that has stopped a little bit more mm-hmm. lately. But uh, for sure, back when I was a kid, we were moving a lot because it was easy. And uh, companies were hiring, for instance, my my uh, father in different locations. So we pursued the job and there weren't that many hurdles to stopping us from doing that. That's oh, true. That's the nice thing about the U.S. You know, it's, it's you've got everything in one country. You don't need a passport. You The, the dollar is the dollar. The Big Mac is the Big Mac. Uh, and, and I mean that that is that makes it that makes it easy. I mean, if you move from the Netherlands to Germany, you have to change the language. If you move to Belgium, okay, you might get away with Dutch, but go too far south, and you have to turn to to French. Then, so well, it's even more than that. I mean, think about school systems, or uh, you know, how, language not only, but school systems and ways of being, and sure. there's just a lot of differences when you move. Whereas when we were moving in the U.S., I could very easily change schools, or we could very easily change um how we were living uh or or not change how we were living actually so uh-huh. it's quite easy yeah yeah uh, you sort of uh, the, my, my second question would have been but I'm, i still want to dig in a little bit deeper you came to a project for three months what kind of project was that then at that time 22 years so, ago yeah so this was 1997 which many companies at that time were planning for uh the year of 2000, right? So that was uh-huh. when the computer systems were all going to fall apart, et cetera. And uh-huh. my company at that time were implementing a new ERP package. So a software package in order, that's the backbone, let's say, of how the organizations communicate and work together. What, is, what does time. it stand for again? Enterprise Resource Program something? What? Uh, ERP planning. Uh-huh. Okay. Enterprise, if I, <laughs> you're asking something 22 years ago, and I've changed my career since then. But at least that was the reason I came over. I was a okay. project manager, and I had a finance background, so I was part of the team. And okay. it was a great project because we were implementing a new system across Europe, and therefore everyone on the team was from a different country. And that was my first introduction to cultural diversity, and I found it fascinating. So, yes, I came over. I ended up uh, being interested in this Dutchman, and so I continued to ask my company to extend mm-hmm. my stay. They were happy to do that, and, and then eventually, uh, eventually, it turned into a relationship, and and we married and we stayed. So oh, came for Yay. work, stayed for love. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Those are my words. <laughs> yeah, I know. So you 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 come. I mean, I, I, I've said this often, often enough to, to your country fellow man. There there have been quite some Americans on this podcast as well. So you would I, you would be considered sort of the enlightened American, um, mm-hmm. having been outside of the country. Having said that, you don't really need to get out of the country. The U.S. is if you want desert, you can find desert. If you want mountains, you can find mountains. No, so it's it's all un- under one roof if you want. So you come to the Netherlands for the first time, and and you were fascinated by this. But there must have been things that that were either confusing or hit you or surprised you or like or at least like a big question mark hovering over your head. Oh sure, of course. So like many expats or many people who go to a new country, I suffered culture shock. Uh-huh. I remember specifically about three months, three and a half months into my stay here, uh, my husband, my boyfriend at the time, invited me to a family gathering, and this was something like uh, December, so it was holiday season. Everybody was in a good mood, and. I, we went home from that, and I was just miserable. I was crying. This is awful. I can't do it here. It, and it was the typical things that we struggle with. I missed my own family. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't understand the language. The customs were weird. So that was a, 
I, I had gone through the honeymoon period where, wow, this is fantastic. And I, I mean, not the, not the physical honeymoon period, right? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But that, that's important to, to distinct, thank, make a distinction between one of the, yeah, yeah, no, the culture, if you go through a culture shock process, uh, uh-huh. the first part is honeymoon, yeah. which is, it was wonderful to be in Amsterdam. The Netherlands was fantastic. Look at the architecture, the food, the people, it's wonderful. And then about three and a half months in, I hit culture shock, which yep. was, oh, this is awful. I can't stand it. Everything's wrong. The architecture is ugly. The language, the people are mean, you know, et cetera. And then um, the food is still is gone, still horrible. <laughs> <laughs> food is horrible. Uh-huh. It's the same. Yeah. But uh, yeah, coming out of that, I uh, I, I grew as my grew, grew as a person. Of course, I learned yeah. about myself. But then also, I started to really appreciate that. So, like everybody, I I had like most people, I had a, a dark period. I, I had this this training. This was this happened like two years ago or something. This was with a with a Dutch company as well. And there was this Italian on board the group, and we were talking about culture shock. And actually, accidentally, we were talking about culture shock because it wasn't part of the program. And uh, so I described this this wave in terms of indeed what you say. There's this this honeymoon period where everything is fine, you know. You're still in the U.S. and and you're like telling your family, you know what, where I'm going, I'm going to Amsterdam. Oh, lucky you! It's close to Paris, and et cetera, et cetera. So it's all happy, happy, happy. And then all of a sudden, you 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 sink into this deep pit, if you want. And this Italian was so surprised that there was a concept around this called culture shock. So how yes. how did you how did you? I mean, you get into this by yourself. You don't have to do anything. You just have to be in another country for most people. But how did you get out of this? Right. So that's really interesting because at that time I did not know about the concept of culture shock. Uh-huh. So it wasn't something that I could observe from outside of myself and say, this is what's happening. I was just going through it. Mm-hmm. And eventually you, you start to have uh, sort of coping mechanisms that say, well, you start to get out more, start to learn the language, start to learn more about the culture. I think it's most people I see as they continue to go through this phase and start to and continue to engage with the location that they're in, start to open themselves up to the differences and start to actually expand themselves as well. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the worst things that could happen is that people leave at that moment right. of culture shock and the depth and the darkness, let's say. Yeah. But that they go through it, they keep uh, you know, having some fortitude and keep going out, keep exploring, keep learning, and they'll start to enjoy it, in fact, and learn about themselves and the others as well. Did you get, did you get good support from your surroundings then? Oh, absolutely, of okay. course. So from my boyfriend at the time, who uh-huh. could help me understand the Dutch culture and who was just supportive through the whole process. Although I must say he was in shock as well, because he was like, what's happening to this girlfriend that two weeks ago was happy and, and loving it here? And I think that's also mm. something that people need to be aware of when they are going through culture shock, that they're in especially like, for instance, in the work context, that they may be closing down and the people around them are confused. They don't know what's happening. Gosh, this person was happy three weeks ago. So they also have to be aware of the what the the image or the messages that they're sending to mm-hmm. their surrounding. Even though it's a temporary thing, we just need to be aware of this. Yeah, if, yeah, and, and that is something that when I guess when you're in it, it's something that's hard to see, that it is a temporary thing. Right. Yeah. It's I think it helps to know that it's going to happen. I wish I had known that this was a normal phenomenon. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that comes with preparation. Well, it's a, and indeed it does. And that is a good thing that you were at least surrounded by people that were supportive because other people could just, you know, wash it away. It's like, come on, come on, come on. This is how we do things here. So, yeah. But you, may I, I'd like to add another story though, because you asked your question, what did I, what did I experience when I moved to the Netherlands? Uh-huh. And I, I have another story, which is, uh, because, so I was, I came to the Netherlands and I was dating this Dutch man. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this seems to be going pretty well. Uh-huh. And then at one point we were, I don't remember exactly what we were doing, but I do remember the feeling. So we were planning for the weekend or something like that. And he said something that completely could, caught me off guard. And it made sense. It seemed reasonable, but it was, it was something that an American boyfriend would never say. And I thought to myself, wow, what, what is happening here? Uh-huh. And, and just coincidentally, because I had taken a course, uh, I don't know, a year ago on global working, and I had a book on my shelf that I had never opened, yeah. which was uh, <laughs> Riding the Ways of Culture by Phones Trumpenars. Uh-huh. So I started thumbing through that book, and I came across a chart, and I thought, aha, this is what's happening. This is why this guy has said this, and I expected that. And for me, that w- that just opened up the whole exploration of culture and cultural diversity. Now, so it really was coming through this relationship that I started this career. I'm really curious. What did he say? I don't remember. <laughs> it was just on planning, you know, it was something. And, but it had to do with the dimension achievement ascription. Okay. So, uh, you know, Americans are much more, let's do it. Uh, let's go for it. Let's work hard. You know, and he was, he just wasn't reacting like that. And I was... I just remember the feeling of going, what? <laughs> Who is this guy? Okay. All right. But you stuck around in the end. I stuck around. All right. Okay. All right. Well, enough about your private life. And, and, and thank you for sharing, <laughs> share, well, sharing that story. I mean, if any, anything you want to share, that's perfectly fine, of course. In, in, uh, in preparing, I don't usually prepare a lot for, for interviews that I do because I, I like to go with the flow. Because, I mean, this story that you just told me, I can't prepare for that. That just comes as, as it comes, if you want. Um, but I did look at your LinkedIn profile. And I saw, if I, th- I, th- I counted correctly, that you're doing five five jobs at the same time in terms of it's it starts then and then until present until present until present is that all true or or and and or how do you do that well i i think i'm sort of the modern company let's say i'm very networked so i am a, a, a a freelancer, so I'm on my uh-huh. own. Yeah. But I'm also very connected with partners for whatever the work is needed for the client. So I have, as you see, I'm part of quite a few organizations that uh, bring me in on certain contexts, or I bring them in depending on what the client uh, of mine needs. So uh-huh. it's I, I can it's I'm not an employee of any company. I'm just very networked with partners that I think are experienced, uh-huh. professional, and that can really add value. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, so, and, and hence, and that's why you, you sort of keep that, if you want, uh, making air quotes here, you're keeping that alive, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Mm, okay. It's, it's, yeah. and, and, and what out of those five things that you're doing is the, is the one that sticks out most? What, what, is the, what, what takes up the most of your time? Well, I think my own business. Uh-huh. So it's Interact Global. So I have clients that are coming to me and that I work with directly, and then I bring in partners. So that's uh-huh. most. I'm also working with Rise Beyond, which is a uh, a group that of coaches and consultants that really goes deep with clients regarding conversations and tries to bring up meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also with Zoomflow, they are a group 
based in the Netherlands, and they are also coaches and trying and bringing me in for uh, things having to do with working virtually and having to do with mm-hmm. team coaching, especially virtually. So as you see, there's different partners for different contexts, yeah. and I really like this. It mm-hmm. really brings it means that I bring the best towards whatever the the con- whatever the issue is, okay. instead of just relying on who's in my company. Okay. Um, okay. Just curious, and and I mean, you've you've made your own segue in a way about vir- to virtual teams because that's something that is the initial reason why I think you contacted me um, in terms of would this be an interesting topic to talk about virtual teams and how to deal with virtual teams if they are spread all over the globe now. In the beginning of this interview, you said, let's avoid this, this whole Corona thing. Um, but I, <laughs> I am a sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm edging towards it a little bit. I sure, mean, of you, course. you, you must be really, really busy at this moment because everybody's working from home. Nobody comes to the office anymore. So are you really, really busy right now or hasn't, it hasn't changed much when it comes to working with virtual teams and stuff? So it's switched to say really, really busy. I'm busy, uh-huh. but uh, I used to travel. I used to go to the location and give workshops and things like that. And those have been canceled. Mm-hmm. And so now things are coming online. And I wouldn't say it's a one for one, but for sure, the topics that I'm doing now are much more about how to work across, how to work virtually, how to make this work, how to nourish the corporate culture when we're sitting far away from us. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed when we first did uh, had the lockdowns it, and companies were shocked uh, that all of a sudden we need to make this work, mm-hmm. it was very much about how do we even hold a meeting? How do we, how do I use the technology? It was that kind of level. But now that this is going much longer than many of us had expected, the the conversations are saying, okay, we got that under control. Now help us really lead, help us develop the competences Mm -hmm. that are necessary when we're working virtually, which are different than if you're in the office. And more importantly, or equally importantly, how do we keep nourishing this corporate culture Mm -hmm. that used to be alive in this building when we saw each other, but now we're sitting at home and somehow we have to feel connected. And so that's currently a topic that I'm exploring. And by the way, if I may, we're just learning as we go. We don't have all the answers. So there's a lot of research coming up while while we're building the airplane, in fact. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm I'm quiet for once. A, du- a Dutchman is quiet. <laughs> it's the it's the best tip I've ever got from a Belgian. Whoever, who, and I asked this person a question: What is what is the best thing a Dutchman can do in order to get more sales in Belgium? And she she looked at me and she was quiet, but she was quiet too long. You know, if when there's a yeah. silence too long, and she just and she looked at me and she was quiet, and I thought, oh my god! And then she simply said, "Shut up." Just wow. be be quiet <laughs> for once. Anyway, so as, while you were talking, I was actually thinking, um, and one of the things, the obvious things is is what is so what is the challenge technologically? Because there is so much. I mean, Zoom, WebEx, Cisco, whatever, what have you, MS Teams. Everybody is trying to get a scoop out of this. So that's a technical side. But what is what makes virtual teams? so much different than, than you and I being physically in each other's presence. Mm. Well, the, the geographic distance does have an impact. Mm-hmm. So what happens is geographic distance impacts us regarding psychological distance. So we feel far away from things that are far away from us. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. If you think about your agenda, 
uh, think about something in, let's say, February. Yeah. It's far away. You are maybe have an idea, but you don't really have a whole lot of a feeling towards that yet. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow, you know exactly what you're going to do. You mm-hmm. know how you have to prepare, who you're going to meet, um, all the details. And so things that are far away are more abstract. Things that are close by are more detailed. And we do this with people as well. So my colleagues that are close by, uh, Jan is really funny this morning. Susan did a great presentation. And my colleagues far away, Spanish mm-hmm. or French or whatever mm-hmm. that may be. We use a very abstract label to describe things that are far away. And often we will use uh, cultural stereotypes to as the labels for our colleagues far away instead of giving them the detail. And so that takes intention to build that bridge and to feel connected on a much more detailed human level with mm-hmm. our colleagues who are far away. And so that starts, that's the first impact of, of working virtually. And then we have to use technology and using it correctly and you mm-hmm. know, all these other different elements. But that's, that's the starting point. Okay. It, it's a question on the side. Do you think that, that differences are more important than similarities? In other words, if you are working, say you're an American uh, working in the Netherlands as you are, and part of your team is in India, so to speak, um, do you think that focusing on the similarities is more important or focusing on the differences is more important? I think that I would, focusing on both. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's a reason why. It's a very Dutch answer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I told you, I'm, uh, I'm both right now. Both okay, Dutch fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> so when we are in the office mm-hmm. and we have an international team, there's something that binds us together, which is the office, the location. Mm-hmm. We see each other. So on that case, we can focus maybe more on our differences. But when we're in a virtual con- uh, space, when we're working in different locations, that office is not there. So we, we need things that will bind us together. And we also need the differences because that's where the creativity comes from. That's what makes it very interesting. So, in fact, as a leader, we need to focus on both. We need to focus on things that bind us together. For instance, our shared purpose, our shared objectives, our team naming us as a team much more than we would if we are in the office. So we need to emphasize those things because if I if you don't, I don't feel connected. I have to have that psychological closeness that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And we want to learn about each other's uh, differences because that's where it becomes interesting for solutions and things of that sort. So, in fact, both, much more than we would if we were uh, in the same location. Okay. So, so it, it's it, – and, and, and to what extent do you run the risk, maybe even more so, when you're doing – when you're working virtually to get away from these stereotypes, which are – for a reason, they're stereotypes because they're. For me, stereotypes are are incomplete truths, if you want. Um, mm. th- so they tell part of the story, but they don't don't tell the whole story. And is it true that the Dutch are really direct? Yes, they are really direct. Are they all not really? Are Germans always on time? Well, more so than Italians in general as a stereotype. So how do you how do you avoid that? Typical stereotyping because I don't see you. I, I Dave Hunter, Dave Hunter, where are you, Dave Hunter? Nobody knows where that is. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I know I, I do, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. And and, sure. and if you're in in some sort of outskirt of of in the south of India somewhere, I have no idea what what your surroundings look like. So how do you get away from the stereotyping and letting that dominate? So I if if I may, I just like to tell you a little bit about my book because sure. we're really getting into the heart of it. Good. 
So I wrote a book called Virtual Teams Across Cultures, Create Successful Teams Around the World. And the reason I wrote that is because I have a background of cultural uh, consulting, team coaching, and now working virtually. And I brought all of those three things together in this book. Mm-hmm. I also noticed that there are many books on working remotely, many books on working across cultures, but very few that brought that together. And in fact, I found that that's the reality of many people, at least my clients, multinationals, people I'm sure that you work with as well, mm-hmm. were working virtually. The technology is there. And what's interesting, my I wrote this book and my neighbor who's 80 came to me and said, how are you, is anyone going to buy this book? Everybody's <laughs> sitting at home. We're all working from home. Is there, are there any cultural differences? So in fact, there are. Mm-hmm. We bring our cultural selves to the virtual relationship. So it almost seems counterintuitive. But, and that's actually the biggest challenge because it used to be that we would travel. We would live in a different location. Mm-hmm. We would be an expat, for instance, yeah. or we would travel to a factory and we would immerse ourselves in these cultures. Mm-hmm. But now we need to stay in our own homes and develop cultural competence. So to get to your, uh, now a long way to your question, no, which, is, which is how do, what do we do with these stereotypes is a couple of things. First is we all need to develop cultural competence, even while sitting in our own homes. And that takes energy, that takes intention because it doesn't come as naturally as it did when nope. we used to be able to travel. Mm-hmm. So that's first. And then second is we need to think about the context. So for instance, I have a, a real story where I'm working with a, cl- a client. Mm-hmm. They are located in the Netherlands and they are located in India. By the way, those are not the right countries, but I'm just okay. hiding. Hypothetical, doesn't matter. Hypothetical, yeah. there we go. Good. And we have, we have a typical us versus them coming up. Mm-hmm. They are using... Uh, Culture as the way to describe each other, cultural stereotypes, you know, they're this problem, they are that problem, we're better, we're feeling far away from each other, and it's starting to have a business impact as Mm -hmm. well. So for the solution is, first is develop cultural competence. So we need to understand each other's cultures, and we need to understand our own as well, and how we show up when we're working with each other. Mm. But we also need to develop virtual competence. That ability to build bridges and learn how and work well together, collaborate from a distance, use the tools well, communicate uh, in a way that makes sense to the others and and also is clear. So I have a whole book on how to develop <laughs> virtual competence and how to lead uh-huh. virtually, which is different than on site. Uh-huh. It, it's much more about connecting the team instead of being the center of the team. Yeah. So, uh, so to answer your question, yes, develop cultural competence develop virtual competence and build those bridges to understand each other, which doesn't come naturally. It really needs intention. And, and out of any of the, of the, if you want differences or, or dilemmas that you have with, when you work with virtual teams, is there one that sticks out? One that is the biggest? Hmm. So, a del- well, I, there's so ma- many show up, of course, because of the cultures that were, uh-huh. that are working together. So, uh, you know, indirect, direct communication or long-term planning, short-term planning. Uh, just a little story, for instance, uh, that comes up quite a bit is let's, here's an example. Everyone comes together and they have a virtual team meeting. The tasks are all given out and everybody knows what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Does the, and the leader sends meeting notes. So it's all clear. Yeah. Should the leader call everyone one-on-one? within a week after the team meeting. 
Oh, wow. Some people say, no way. If the leader calls me, it's showing a lack of trust. I said I would do it. I'm on my way. Leave me alone. Exactly. Dutch, American, German. Yeah. The others say, of course, they should call because first off, things change. I'm, who knows what, so we need to keep each other up to date. Second, it builds the relationship. Mm -hmm. It shows the, that the leader is interested in me. For mm -hmm. sure, the leader should be calling me. Mexico, South America, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, just a simple thing like what should I do after a meeting uh, is a dilemma for a leader. And if a leader doesn't understand what his or her team needs, then they will only go with their own preference. And then we're, they're, they're, they're not engaging everyone as needed. So is there, and then, okay, so you, you typically said, okay, uh, Americans, Dutch and Germans, uh, don't call me, Latin Americans, yes, do call me. Is, mm. Do you work with some sort of checklist? Is, is like uh, do's and don'ts? I mean, that sounds a bit cheap, but I don't mean it like that. But is there, do you, do you work with a checklist then? I don't, no, I do not. And mm -hmm. I don't, do you, when you're working uh, with your cultural uh, well, colleagues? <laughs> Checklist? No, I don't work with a checklist per se. Um, I I use I use a, the so-called Hofstede model for those uh, yeah. listeners that are um, familiar with uh, the Trumpenars model and the Hofstede model, and uh, Aaron Mayer, for instance. And well, there are a couple of of those people out there. I I, I use that model in terms of putting a framework around culture, and mm. what that does for me. No, actually, not for me. For for my audience, whether I do a workshop or a lecture, it gives them the so-called the so-called aha erlebnis. That's like. Ah, now I understand why. Now I understand why this Dutch boss, as a Mexican, doesn't call me. Why? Because he wouldn't call his own Dutch colleagues, and hence he doesn't call me either. I mean, people sort of. I give people this toolbox, which for me is this model, and then they can they can use that within their own work context. Because I don't know their work reality. People know their own work. I don't know your work reality. I don't know your Indian colleague work reality. That's their reality. What I can do is give them a toolbox w with which they can they can say, okay, now I'm calling this Dutchman, so I should. Uh, and this Dutchman needs a clear yes and a no. If 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 he asks me a question, can you do this in two weeks? And then the Indian head shake is something that is really confusing for well, for for I think everybody outside of India, so to speak. Um, so I that's not really a toolbox. That's not really a, a do's and don'ts list. It's more of a toolbox. Exactly. And and that I do the same. Okay. So I I work with a model. And in my book, in fact, I reference the models of Trumpenauer's Hofstede and Aaron Meyer. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. and I agree with you. They are just a starting point to understand that there are differences. But then going deeper into the country, learning about the country, learning about your own culture, developing cultural competence in general. Mm -hmm. And I gave that story of the leader, what should the leader do after the meeting? Yeah. I do not believe that only the leader should develop cultural competence. I think it's everyone on the team should. And as a team together, they can also develop cultural competence or at least explore it together. There's a lot of opportunities. So uh, I, I'm with you. I use models. I use, um, you know, in order to help people to start that journey. Mm -hmm. And I don't give a check checklist. I think find that's too limiting because then people yeah. rely on a checklist instead of saying, 
being more curious for themselves and finding out for themselves what's going on. Exactly. And then they're surprised if, if you give them a checklist like this is the do and that's the don't. If the context changes, then the do and the don't, they change as well. Exactly. And, and then people get confused like, yeah, but she or he told me it should be like this and it's not like this. No. Um, no. Context change. Be curious. Be inquisitive. Uh, be respectful and inquire. And there's a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I had a, I had a question and it skipped me now. It's, it's, um, hopefully it comes back. I have another, <laughs> yeah, it was related to what you, what you just said. Um, the other thing is, is, okay, we are recording at this moment, uh, is the 23rd of November for those of you who are listening in the future, uh, November 23, 2020. Um, we are in the, uh, we're both in Europe. We're in the middle of the, the second corona wave if you want if there's a third or a fourth one no one knows at this moment um do you think Teresa, that um pressing the flesh uh, a meeting eye to eye will come back eventually when this whole thing is over because it will be over will that come back then will we be well for one traveling more and working less with virtual teams well i hope we are putting our flesh hand to hand or whatever. Uh -huh. I hope we're, let me, I hope we're meeting again yeah. and I expect we will meet again. Mm -hmm. uh, no one who's in my field regarding working virtually and remotely would ever recommend this situation where we don't have any contact with people. Mm -hmm. That is not the ideal. The ideal is that uh, we have contact with people and use that as a, let's put in quotes, tool, just like, mm -hmm. and, and which tool to use for which tasks. Meeting people when there's certain high level conversations that need to happen is critical. Uh, and so that's what we're missing now. And that's why a lot of people, including myself, are struggling. I miss people. I want to see people again. Mm -hmm. But I think we're not going to go back. What was nice is that uh, McKinsey did a study that said that most companies were expecting to if to go remote would take 400 days so that means training technology mm -hmm. making sure the leadership is ready for it processes procedures home office whatever that may be everyone expected it would take 400 days mm -hmm. we did it in 10 days mm -hmm. so clearly we we have made a huge impact on what it means to work from home and what it means to work from a distance actually what it means to work anywhere mm -hmm. That I think will stay and we'll just blow it up. We'll, we'll expand it to include the human um, contact again. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about the future once this pandemic is done and what is possible within organizations working remotely and working, uh, working anywhere. So you would consider it actually being a, a, an addition and, or a, a positive addition to working international? What is a positive? Sorry, Not okay. Pandemic, but, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. The 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 addition of working virtu being able to work virtually as well. Um, so, in other words, if I am in India, I do not have to go to the office at seven or eight in the evening because I need to connect to somebody in Europe or in the US. I can do that from my home or home office or whatever kind of technology there is. I mean, oh. you would see that as as an, a, a positive addition to work in general. Absolutely, of yeah. course. And a lot of people are experiencing that. A lot of people are saying they like to work from home. Mm -hmm. Most people, I would imagine a lot of part-time going on in the future. So a couple, a hybrid situation, a couple of days at home, a couple of days in the office. The office will still be an important location to connect, to, uh, to learn from each other, mm -hmm. to have been meaningful conversations, but it's not the only place that we can work. And I think that's what's coming out of this experience. 
Okay. All right. Well, we 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 try to avoid it, but we ended up talking about the whole situation oh, pandemic <laughs> in the end. Anyways, I'm sorry about that. Um, no, I'm looking okay. at I'm looking at the clock and the recording time. We're about 34 minutes in recording, um, and I'd like to keep it around half an hour. Um, so. I have two more questions for you, if I can. So can you give us three tips out of your own experience to become more culturally competent? Great. So if I may just refer to my book for a minute. Sure. Because uh, in the book, I explain the three ways that cultural diversity impacts virtual teams. Mm -hmm. And I say it's within the team, between the locations, and outside the team. Uh, so if they, people are interested in that, they can go to my website and, or because there's articles there or they can buy the book. But basically something along the lines within the team means that there's the cultural diversity that you and I have been talking about regarding communication and the models of Trump and ours, Hofstede and, and Aaron Meyer. Those mm -hmm. still happen when we're working virtually. And so that's within the team. Mm -hmm. Between the locations we also discussed, which is that people feel are much more abstract when they're far away. And so we use cultural uh, d cultural stereotypes to explain each other. And then there's one more called outside the team, which is that even though we have an intact team and we have norms within the team on how we work together, each person is in a different location. And those cultures of the locations can influence the team in ways that are unexpected. So those are the three ways that culture impacts virtual teams. And in all of those, I suggest uh, developing cultural competence to be able to work together. And by the way, there's each of those situations has more advice, but the one that crosses them is co developing cultural competence. And I think that happens. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. And I think that happens on three levels, individual, team, and organization. And so individual is reading books, inquiring, uh, learn, having, having conversations with your colleagues, being curious, uh, watching movies from the other countries, just diving in as much as you can while sitting at home mm -hmm. to learn about the other cultures. Yeah. On team level, I think there's a lot that can be done. Putting learning, prior, putting learning about cultures as a priority. For instance, starting a meeting, going around saying what's happening in each country. Or once a month, having a this is my country presentation by one person mm -hmm. so that they can, can explain their country and their culture. Just having a lot of activities to put this as a priority mm -hmm. to learn from each other is a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then on org level, I mean, offering courses, even virtually or coaching or opportunities to develop and uh, uh, and have that experience of working in an international situation. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, sounds sounds all good. Um, you mentioned your book, we, and, and that's the idea as well, of course. So if people want to get in touch with you, how could they do that, and where can they find your book? So my website is www.interact.com. Uh, dash global.net mm -hmm. so there's information there the book is everywhere amazon bull.com uh, all online bookstores and please link with me on linkedin i i like doing that as well so mm -hmm. i'm reachable if they would like to contact me Okay. All right. Um, it's. I think you're the first one that actually talked about um, the, working with virtual teams, typically in the current situation that we are recording, the time that we're recording this. I found it a very interesting um, conversation. I usually start with a blank piece of paper, and um, I've written two two sides of that uh, uh, of that 
of that blank piece of paper. Start with your name, and now it's all scribbled full with questions and other parts and things that you've um, that you've mentioned. So, good stuff. Thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. I wish you all the best with um, with your book um, and the future of your business. And I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. I hope so, Chris. This has really been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you again, Teresa, uh, for taking the time uh, out of your busy schedule to uh, come on the show. Really enjoyed the interview, talking about virtual themes and stereotypes and all that good stuff. Oh, okay, the end of this podcast. If you haven't subscribed to it, do so now. Um, also, you can leave a review on iTunes. The more, the better, of course. And if you do that, more people will have access to this podcast as well. The music you hear in the background is from Ben Sound. You can check that out at bensound.com. I am Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters Podcast. I'll be back in two weeks' time. And by the way, two, two weeks ago in episode 145, 145, my business partner and I talked about international business development. So make sure you check that out as well. You take care. Bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.